Drive with Julian Clover. Getting you home. Cambridge 105 Radio. The Gadget Guy on Cambridge 105 Radio. And ladies and gentlemen, we give you Rob Chipperfield and Lawrence Mikalev. Yeah, hello and welcome to The Gadget Guy number 130. Welcome back, Rob. Thank you very much. It's nice to be back in the studio, actually. You, it's been a little a few while. Gadget I, I have. I, yes. <laughs> Else, elsewhere, tied up. Yes. Anyway, we're going to look at fitness trackers a little bit later, but first of all, the tech news. Yes, indeed. And the, the first one's an interesting one, actually, because, of course, we had the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulations, which came into force. They existed from a couple of years back, but they actually came into force on the 25th of May this yeah, year. Yeah, everyone, I'm sure, is aware of them based on the number of, and do you want to opt in or opt out of our emails. Exactly. But of course, amongst the people that were dealing with this, there was something of an unofficial sweepstake of who would be the first household name to actually suffer a breach or a penalty or a prosecution under these regulations. Um, And it would seem that we've got a winner uh, or possibly a loser. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the first ones that were publicly announced was uh, cases against Google and Facebook uh, immediately uh, were... Uh, started with actions by various and that, that uh, privacy for, campaigners. That was for non-compliance as opposed to for a data breach. Yes. Uh, well, we we probably got our first sort of moderately large-scale data breach. Um, and a household name. Yes, it is. It's Ticketmaster. So Ticketmaster, of course, the website that are used for a, a large number of concerts and events around the country. And... Um, yeah, they, they've been in and out of the news over the last few years with things like reselling tickets and all sorts of issues around that. But this was actually credit card theft. Now, this struck me as, as very interesting because, uh, for, for a few reasons. Because what they're talking about is, in some case, the compromise of payment details. Yep. But it wasn't Ticketmaster themselves that got breached. It was a third-party partner that they worked with. So this is you as a customer go to Ticketmaster.com, say I'd like to buy some some tickets for this. At some point in that, there is interaction with one of the companies that Ticketmaster uses. And this is a completely normal thing to happen in a lot of uh, online... Online sales, yes. Very very few organisations run their own payment systems. And quite sensibly as well. But what struck me as kind of interesting is that it was actually a support company that was the cause of this breach. So my first impression, having not seen the backstory to this, was why on earth did they have anything to do with payment details? This was uh, effectively a help desk system. Yep. Why were they in a position to technically be able to see those, even if that company was malicious or was, uh, I think more correctly, was compromised? So in other words, third-party company got compromised by a malicious actor. That then put them in a position to compromise Ticketmaster customers. To me, good system design isolates those partners. Yes, you're going to use, certainly in my day job, we have tens of third parties that we deal with, that we yep. work with, that see some amount of our customers' data in some form or another. Yeah, you, but you work if, to isolate that. Booking things like a conference where you're inviting yep. your customers to, you've got to provide a list of names to the venue so that they can yep. allow everyone to come in and park, for example. Or, or you might, for, a, for an event, you might use Eventbrite or someone like that. But you don't use, you know, you don't let Eventbrite see the details of people who have 
purchased some software from you. No. Those have different responsibilities. And so that was one of the things I thought was really interesting about this breach was that ability for that data to leak across. So this was a vulnerability that ended up being on Ticketmaster's payment system yep. um, via the third-party company, and someone had managed to hack their system, get some malicious code into their chunk of the web page that was being loaded yep. that could then sit there and sniff credit card details as you put them in to pay for your tickets. Exactly. And this this crowd who have been doing these sort of um, malicious hacks apparently could have hacked up to 800 other websites. And that doesn't surprise me. There's a lot of these companies that I use very extensively. What was also interesting, and and you pointed this out just before we started today, um, was that it was first spotted a few months ago by one of the acquiring banks. Yes, one of the new online-only no-branch banks who are are basically setting themselves up to be um, app-based generally. A little bit of web stuff, but being something you can interact with them over social media, you can talk to them online all the time, but there's no branch involved. And this was Monzo. And Monzo had a customer spot a, a fraudulent transaction, query it. They, of course, dealt with that transaction. They started to do some research based with the customer's permission on all of his transactions to see if they could work out how this theft of his car details happened. And they they thought it could have been several places. A couple more fraudulent transactions happened, and they then correlated those. So totally different customers, and they found that the only thing in common amongst those customers, and we we're only talking about five or six customers, you know, thousands and thousands of transactions, and they found Ticketmaster was the common one. Interesting. And were then able to pinpoint it as being at the right time that these occurred. They then basically issued new cards to all the customers who had ever touched Ticketmaster's website. Uh, at any point, they issued new cards, um, monitored actively their cards for fraudulent transactions, and, yeah, basically protected all their customers. But they they then reported, Monzo reported this to Ticketmaster, and who Ticket- denied it being a problem, yeah. didn't they, initially? Because Ticketmaster looked at their systems and went, not us. Yeah. Uh, and quite rightly, yeah. Ticketmaster systems were, were themselves fine. Yeah. Uh, but it does really reinforce that if you're in business, as well as you looking after your own things, you put a lot of trust in these third parties and rely, working out who you rely on. And this is one of the great wins out of GDPR, is that it's forced companies to look at who it is that they work with. Yes, and and do a little bit of an audit regularly on who you are connected to, how your data, how your customers' data is flowing yep. from your systems to other systems and coming back and so on. Anyway, uh, we've got uh, the um, Black Friday of the middle of the year coming up soon. Oh, this is if you uh, if you like a certain favourite online retailer, yeah, Amazon. A- Amazon's Prime Day. Yes, and, weren't uh, they criticised this year for not having it on a day that was in any way prime? Um, I don't think they did a, a particularly prime-ish type number last <sighs> Missed year. Missed opportunity, faithful. But yes, um, Amazon Prime is their subscription service, and they are going to be having lots of discounts. And some of those discounts have been announced already. So the thing is, look on July the sixteenth on Amazon's website, see what they're offering discount-wise. But buy beware, check with all your other retailers that you might normally buy from. A lot of vendors are going to be price matching, so you might find that your uh, Curry's PC World and your John Lewis's of the world may well be price matching Amazon. Mm, Definitely one to watch out for. And then finally, before we take a quick break in uh, a moment or so, uh, Facebook 
have been in the news for fake news again. <laughs> yes, we, we mentioned the fact that they are employing some AI to start filtering news. Can you employ artificial intelligence? Uh, yes, probably. Well, you've got to, Soon. someone's going to pay for How it many days' holiday does it get? <laughs> I have enough grammar problems this week without adding, adding that into the mix. Um, they've started using AI to look at news and see if it's genuine, as well as having human eyeballs to check things, especially on a regional basis. But they have now said that it's too much of a big job to actually go and kill stories that are fake news. They're just going to demote them so that they won't appear as much. Which, to me, is, is very interesting because it's, it's saying, yes, we're confident enough we know what this is, that we're going to apply this penalty of, of fewer page views, yeah. but not actually take action to remove it. So I, it's, think, I think they might have it's been... It's a plain lane, isn't um, it? They might have been bashed by several, um, and possibly European countries, saying, you know, freedom of speech is a thing, and satire and, and you know, putting up stuff that isn't genuine is a thing that is allowed. It is, but freedom from consequences is not. Yes. So it's going to be interesting to watch that one. Similarly, Twitter have been cleaning up fake uh, followers. And, oh, yes, locked uh, accounts are now yes. no, no longer counted well, in your locked followers. Locked accounts that haven't responded to a are you genuine request. What's a locked account? It's when someone reports you for uh, doing something dodgy, then they can temporarily suspend your account. Okay. Or, or you can actually lock your account so people can't follow you without your permission. I, I don't think protected accounts are included in this. I think it's Not just sure. ones that it's are suspended. Accounts, yeah. Yes, they're, they're cleaning up the... So I, um, so I opened a can of worms there, didn't I? Sorry. No, that's right. <laughs> cleaning I, up I, millions of accounts that have been following celebrities and so on. They reckon several million accounts have just been turned off. Oh, there we go. Well, we'll be back in a couple of minutes talking about fitness trackers. Fitness trackers. Now, let's start with the one that you might already have, and this is a smartwatch. So if you've got a smartwatch from the likes of Apple or an Android smartwatch or a Tizen, those are the Samsung Galaxy uh, Gear watches, um, then you've already got a fitness tracker that can track your running. So this is something that will maybe monitor your... And the, the, the typical one, isn't it, started by Fitbit, is how many steps you've taken. Steps you've taken, but then also including things like heart rate. Now, heart rate monitoring has been around for a lot longer than smartwatches. Yes. I think the... the Polar the, used to do the one... Polar are probably the, the most well-known for those sort of trackers. And Polar still exists, and Polar still make heart rate trackers of the classic variety as well as a lot of range of smart trackers and smart watches. They still do cycle computers, which are very popular. Um, now, they do maintain that the most accurate heart rate tracker is a band around your chest yes rather than the thing on a wrist but of course you can't see the band around your chest so even when you do go though get those they typically link to a watch or a phone or something yes. like that don't yes they? so th those will generally not be something standalone it will pair to a phone or, or to a watch as you said or to a cycle computer if you're using it for cycling so if you've got a smartwatch use it go into the app store look for smart tracking apps there are hundreds of tracking apps available for tracking your running your walking your cycling um some of them depending on your smartwatch will pair with the ant tracking devices which you can do things like put a pedal tracker on your bicycle nice. cadence trackers and so on little clip-ons to your shoes to track steps and but more accurately than the fitness trackers can do and so on so look for the ant tracking options and see if those are supported by your smartwatch and of course also if you're if you've got something that's waterproof, also tracking activities like swimming. Although yes. that's quite a tough one, I think, So swimming is a, is a more challenging one to track, and of course your expensive smartwatch that you paid hundreds of pounds for, you might think twice about going in your average pool and um, 
all the chemicals. Oh, it'll be fine on other <laughs> contents of we your take, average we, we take no responsibility, etc. So starting on the cheaper end of trackers are the fitness bands. So these are not really watches. They're just a little thin band that is tracking things like steps and runs and so on. Looks a bit like a bracelet or something Looks like, like a that. Bracelet. Some of them might have a clock on them so they can give you the time and maybe a step counter. But very basic things. And these range from around £50 upwards depending on what you wanted to track. Typically, it's sort of tracking, as you say, well, steps is the obvious one, and you can maybe set a target. So you can say, okay, I want to do 10,000 steps today. Um, I think my favourite story recently was a colleague who was uh, gesticulating a bit wildly in a meeting, and that, that led her to meet her 10,000 step uh, target, at which point her wrist suddenly started lighting up and flashing. <laughs> nice. So it, it turns out that meetings can be uh, can be good exercise oh, after all. If she was flipping her arm, she was bur- burning calories. Exactly. So that all counts. That all counts on the, the whole counting of, of things. Um, anyway, moving on from fitness bands, you might want to go for a fitness tracker. Now, these are a lot more like a smartwatch, but tend to be focused more on the fitness tracking rather than being a smartwatch first. So smartwatch features tend to be a second tier on these ones. So features you might be looking at, obviously the heart rate is the important one uh, for any of the real tracking of how you're doing whether you're improving or not at your running or your walking or whatever activity you're doing heart rate is the general recognized thing to measure and also if you're at those early stages of getting fit then it's a good target so you can set yourself that target heart rate band so that you don't overdo it as yes. well you, know, you yes. want to be going pushing yourself hard enough that your heart rate is rising above its resting pulse yeah. but you don't want to be up there at 200 beats a minute or something like that that's not going to be su- exactly not going after, to be sustainable uh, after a little bit of a run so obviously the rest and the chest bands for the heart rate sensor is what we talked about already. Then you might want to think about, does the device track multiple sports? So is it just running? Can it also track walking if you want to track that? Can it track your hikes? Can it track your bike rides or your swimming? So it's worth looking at those options. Then, And, and also, do you have to tell it what you're doing or will it just figure it out? Yes. Will it, well, will it even figure out that you've started doing an activity or do you have to say, I'm now starting, I'm starting. my activity, please track me? So answer that question. Then whether you want a built-in GPS or whether you wanted to rely on the GPS in your phone. Now, if you rely on the GPS in your phone, you've got to take your phone with you doing the event. So that's not always convenient for running, especially in this hot weather. You haven't got a pocket necessarily to shove your phone in. Now, of course, this is a combination now we're, we're seeing here because, of course, you, you track how many steps, how much energy you expend mostly by the, yes. the, the heart rate tracking. So adding a GPS gives you useful things like, first of all, the route you went yep. so that you can do it again. The altitude, which is quite useful, so you know if you were going if uphill up hill. And, and why your heart rate suddenly went up at And that why point. your speed has gone down. Yeah. But also what's quite cool is they then allow you to run virtually against other people who've run the same route. Oh, that's nice. So you can actually load up and go, I'm running this route, and Rob just ran this route, and Rob's time was this, and it basically gives you a virtual running partner to run against. That's quite nice, quite especially, cool. or, or even run against yourself from exactly, previous days. Exactly, exactly. Another important thing to track these days is sleep. So how much sleep you're getting and what your quality of sleep is. So a lot of the trackers can track that. Now, this is an interesting one because, of course, smart wa- a lot of the smartwatches last a day, maybe two days before you have to, to charge them yeah. up, which means that typically people take them off at night and put them on charge. Yeah. With some of the dedicated fitness trackers, we're seeing much, much longer run times, aren't we? I so, got- saying that, they're getting faster at charging. So my smartwatch lasts certainly long enough to do a day and also a night sleep tracking and charges enough in the time that I take it off to charge during shower and breakfast. Right. So, uh, but I, I do notice, for example, that Garmin's, uh, we'll, we'll probably come on to them in a second, uh, some of Garmin, Garmin's Fenix 
uh, fitness tracking watches last up to a month in some of them. Yep. So you know, this, this is much more like a traditional watch. Yep than something you have to charge most nights. Now, a lot of them obviously have their own platform for storing the data. So Fitbit, Garmin, Sunto, all of these have got their own tracking platform for tracking health statistics, just as Apple and Google have various health tracking platforms. Now, you've got to watch whether your data is tied into that platform or whether you can link in a lot of third-party partners like Strava, oh, a big one, uh, Running Heroes is another Run one, RunKeeper, and Map My Run, and so on. All of these third-party ones, and check whether the tracker you buy supports these so that you can plug in third-party and suck your data out and do other things with it, because we all want to analyse our data and see how we're doing. You've got to get the pretty graphs, right? Up and to the right. Yeah, and then, of course... If you're getting one that's got more smartphone features, maybe it's got notifications in it, maybe it can play music, maybe it's got its own app store, maybe it's even got mobile payments, you know, NFC payments. Oh, in that's it, quite, quite handy. Cool. So you don't need your contactless card, which, of course, if you're going out for a run, maybe you run to the shops, fancy an ice cream at the other end to undo all of the hard work you've just done. <laughs> you don't have to take your wallet with you, you yep. and you don't have to take your phone. So starting with the cheapest ones, and this was a surprise, Nokia of the... Oh, uh, the mobile phones they still exist. And their, their entry-level phone, uh, entry phone, entry-level watch starts at 40 quid with a battery charge lasting up to eight months. Wow, that's, yeah. okay. that's so quite impressive. So you can start. Now, it's a very basic device. It will uh, do all of the things that we've talked about to a degree. It's not going to be spectacular. You can then work up to the top-of-the-range stuff, and certainly things like Sunto do a, a, a range of very nice smartwatches. Garmin do some great ones. Polar, who we mentioned earlier, do their V800 GPS sports watch. Now you're talking about a £400 watch. Yes, and certainly okay. some of the Garmin ones are up to 750 Yes. And These are serious bits of fitness kit. They're not something you just want to get your 10,000 steps on. Yes. Now, the Garmin stuff is quite interesting because some of these allow you to do a lot more of the stuff that Garmin was able to do well for a long while, and this is mapping. Yes. And this is allowing you to load things like topological maps. So if you're out hiking in the backcountry, you actually have a map on your wrist, which is your GPS and your map for your hike, as well as tracking all your fitness. We should, of course, do the health and safety thing, which is don't just rely on this as your only source of navigation. Make sure you have a map map as well. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You never know when you're going to get lost. So I think what we'll have to do is possibly a future gadget guide and look at some of the more high-end ones and see what is really out there. And um, if, I, I believe if we do it, it after the end of uh, after the middle of August, I might just have one along to bring along with me. We'll see. Excellent. So um, starting from forty pounds up to hundreds of pounds, but basically look at the features you want, make your choices, buy yourself a fitness tracker. Thanks very much. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, thanks very much to uh, Rob Chipperfield and Lawrence uh, Mickliffe. Uh, yeah, good, good to see you uh, both uh, back in harness uh, this time around. Uh, quickly to the travel, and uh, we'll start with the M11 southbound. It's a bit heavier than normal around Junction 9. Congestion is back to Junction 10, uh, which is Duxford, and also around the Duxford area, the A505 and Flint Cross, a bit busy eastbound from Hayden Golf Club uh, to M11 Junction 10. Of course, a big air show uh, taking place this weekend at Duxford. A14 eastbound at Fen Stanton. Uh, slow traffic. There was an earlier broken down vehicle just after Junction 27. Um, and also between westbound between 31 at Girton and 29 at the Long Stanton Road. And other than that, it's, it's okay for a Friday night, I guess. Uh, thanks very much for your company. Back with you uh, tomorrow. No, tonight. Tonight at 10 o'clock on the Waffle uh, with Lawrence and with Dom and hopefully catch you on Parker's Peace at some point for the big weekend. This is Cambridge 105 Radio with the latest news next. Did you know that John and I have split up? I'm sorry to hear that. How are you doing? Oh, okay, I suppose. 
There's just so much to sort out. I don't know where to begin. When Martin and I first separated, I found it useful to speak to a lawyer just so that I knew where I stood right from the beginning. Really? What did they do? Well, I used wood fines on Clarendon Road and they not only arranged my divorce, but they also advised me on arrangements with the kids and the house and helped us to access mediation. It really gave me peace of mind to know there was someone on my side. That's what I need. What was that name again? With Woodfine Solicitors, you can be assured that you're represented by one of Cambridge's leading family law teams and experts who will strive to achieve the best possible outcome for you. To find out more, get in touch on Cambridge 411421 or find us online at woodfines.co.uk. We're also on social media and you can listen again to our Cambridge 105 radio interviews or read our monthly Cambridge Independent column on our website.